neat little, pretty neat little video right there. Uh, we're going to hopefully bounce off of that video and the things that it hopefully put in your mind this morning as we look in John chapter 20 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15 uh, together this Easter Sunday morning. Every, every year, uh, a couple of preacher friends of mine that I communicate with quite often, I, I send them a text message on late on Saturday night and just ask them, what should I preach about? Just to see what they said. This time, this time the answer was Mother's Day. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think I'll skip it. We'll go on to the, we'll, go, we'll do the resurrection. <laughs> but we just joke around a little bit. Uh, if I can't, if, I, if Saturday night comes before Easter Sunday and I don't know what to preach, then it's time for me to hang it up, wouldn't you think? <laughs> so I know what to preach. We, we're going to talk about the resurrection. Uh, I'm going to talk about a couple things. Some of it, a little bit, small portion of it, we talked a little bit about this morning, touched on it, but I want to take a small piece of what we talked about this morning and build on what I want to say this afternoon, or this, I guess it's getting ready to be afternoon when about the time I'm done. Uh, uh, I saw that I, I came across this uh, quote. I'm not a guy that looks at Twitter a lot. I do look at Facebook more often than Twitter, but I just stay away from Twitter. I, I have a Twitter account mostly so I can put church stuff on there, different things. Uh, but this quote came across Twitter about the resurrection. So I'm going to read it to you. It said, Happy Easter! Exclamation point. You can believe in resurrection without believing in a bodily resurrection. Faith is more than adherence to rigid dogma. What does that sound like to y'all? I mean, that sounds, that quote sounded to me like a person who's trying to have their cake and eat it too. Doesn't it sound that way to y'all? This person is trying to say you can have Jesus without his bodily resurrection. So much so that they're saying you can believe in the resurrection as long as it's not the bodily, the physical resurrection from the dead. You would think that this would be an everyday average one of us on the street that said something like this. This person and I'm going to not say this person's name just because I don't know this person. I know about this person. But I know this person put it on their Twitter page, so I'm reading it to you. But this person is the president of a theological seminary in New York. The president of a theological seminary. That means the study of God. I don't see how you... do a lifetime study of God and come to this kind of conclusion. That the, 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 the resurrection of Jesus was not in the flesh or in the bodily form. And then come to a conclusion that you can tell other people in the world that you can have Jesus as Savior without his resurrection in the flesh. And started all off saying, Happy Easter, exclamation point. Because without the resurrection, there's no exclamation point. Hello? 
There's no, there, without the physical resurrection of our Savior, the man who came to this world from God's presence for the, for the purpose of going to the cross and being crucified because we have sinned against God and then was buried and resurrected. You can't have a happy Easter without this. Hello? Now, there's a bunch of people in the world right now that are having uh, a lot of fun-filled Easter Sundays, maybe. Or they might even be doing something exciting with their life in this moment, on this day, somewhere, doing something, sinful or not. But if they're not recognizing and celebrating and living in his resurrection, then they're missing out on the reality of what Easter Sunday is all about. Right? So it's the exclamation point that we live in, isn't it? Isn't it the exclamation point that we're after? Because some people say Happy Resurrection Day. Right? That's not wrong. That's not out of place. Some people just say Happy Sunday. Have a blessed day. Because you know as well as I do, if you're a believer, if you are one of God's saved by the blood of Christ, children, you know as well as I do that every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is a celebration of his resurrection. How can we not live excited? Yesterday we had the Easter egg hunt slash pizza party. Total chaos. It was awesome. Kids, the girls had a look. The girls had a great time. They got a bunch. Of, they got way more candy than their parents wanted them to have. Right, and that's between uh, them and the Lord. So I just let, I just keep giving it to them. I threatened them girls. There was eight girls here, no boys. I threatened them. I said I'm gonna go find some boys to be a part of this children's ministry, and they were like they were they were like no, we're not having it. We're not having no boys here, and we had this big debate about it. And I'm praying that we get some boys in here. The girls are praying that we don't. I'm a little worried about that because Jesus taught us to come to him as the little children, right? So I think they got a little bit of leverage in their prayer time over that. Whatever the Lord's will is. The reason I brought them girls up is because when we were doing our Bible study, our little lesson about the gospel message, those girls were giving me answers, not one, most, uh, there was a couple of them that have it all, have all the information, but the, uh, the younger ones had bits and pieces of it, because they're still learning, but together, they had the story, they had the message, they had the facts, whether they're understanding them or not is, is irrelevant to their life right at this moment, but those girls had a better understanding of the gospel message and Jesus and his death and resurrection than this president of this theological seminary. It's not that hard, y'all. It really isn't that hard. This person has spent their life searching God, studying God, and this person is missing the resurrection, the most important part of it. The most important part of it. Because without the resurrection, Christmas doesn't matter. 
Without the resurrection, his miracles and teaching don't matter. Without the resurrection, his uh, arrest and his crucifixion and everything that comes with that, the forgiveness of sins, don't matter. If he's still dead in the grave, none of it matters. We, we read this morning in John chapter 20. You might want to get your Bibles out because you see what I've done again. I, I kind of do that. I, do, I try not to do that, but I kind of want you to look in your Bibles too because that's healthy. We read chapter 20, verses 1 to 18 of the Gospel of John early this morning at the sunrise service, which was pretty, uh, pretty great in my opinion, not because of any of us, but because of, of God. And we read through it, and we talked about these disciples and putting ourselves in their shoes and trying to, trying to imagine what it was like to discover that the body of Jesus was gone. Because they weren't expecting it to be gone, were they? They were expecting to go and finish doing the things that you do when you have a funeral. They had to finish the job, and they were going to see this, this dead body and deal with it and take care of him. And when they found he wasn't there, they became concerned. And what I want to focus on specifically is verses 3 through 10 to get us started. It says, so Peter and the other disciples went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so, so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, verse 7, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up uh, in a place by itself. In verse 8, so the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. That's verse 10. This is what I want to focus on. We talked about all of that this morning, but I want to focus on this, and we hinted about it this morning, verse 8 and 9 specifically. It says they went in the tomb. They finally got up the nerve to walk in there, and they saw that the body was gone. And it says they believed, or it says he believed. Believed what? If you were here this morning, you should know the answer. If you weren't here this morning, you probably still should know the answer if you study your Bible. They believed what she had said. Hey, I went over to the grave, and the body's not there. Wait a minute, let me check this out. And they go run over there, and they see it, and it's like, oh, yeah, it is gone. They saw what they were looking for. Hello? I think I've told you this when I first came here to, 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 to preach for y'all and, and, and serve the Lord with y'all. When I first went to eastern North Carolina and met the great people out there, one of the first things in, that I noticed was in a fellowship meal with some other churches, I was talking about the people and to a, a, a fella and I, I, I told him, I said, everybody's great out here. Everybody's not, everybody's so nice. 
And he looked at me and he said, well, you'll generally, you'll find what you're looking for. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it. If you're looking for bad people, you'll find bad people. If you're looking for somebody to be ugly, you'll find that. These guys were looking for a missing body. Guess what they found? A missing body. An empty grave. They were looking for that because somebody had told them the grave was empty. That's why it says in verse 9 that they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. They never put it together in that moment that, oh, he's not dead anymore. They were just saying the body's not here. How do we know that? Because verse 10 said, so the disciples went away to their own home. If y'all, if, look, this is, a, this is a hypothetical, complete hypothetical. And it's not true, but it's hypothetical. If we found out that the resurrection of our Savior is not true, if we found that out in this very moment, wouldn't we all just get up and go home? If Jesus isn't really the Savior, if God isn't really who he is, if none of this Bible is true, wouldn't we all just get up and go home right now? I'd go fishing. I'd go do something besides stand up here and talk about something that ain't true. That's why they went home. Because they found what they were looking for. What if they found, what if they were looking for Jesus, the resurrected man, back from the dead? What if they were looking for him? What if they were looking for what she saw later on in this chapter, where she thought he was the gardener? What if they were actually looking for Jesus, the resurrected Jesus? They would have saw, they would have seen him in that moment. They saw him later, we know that, right? Because they were told, go to this place and he'll be there. And they went there and they went looking for him. Now they're looking for him. Most of the people that are in church this morning, because it's Easter Sunday, are believers, people who believe that this is true about Jesus. They have surrendered themselves to him as he's their Lord and Savior. They're saved by the blood of Christ. They're singing victory in Jesus with genuineness. Because they've seen Jesus. They've experienced him. We've experienced him. Every one of us who are believers, who are genuine believers, can say, I know for a fact that Jesus is still alive. He lives today. He was dead. He did die on the cross. Because some people try to get away from the resurrection by saying, well, he never died. He, he really, he was just, it's like his heart, his heart started beating so slow we couldn't find a, a, a pulse. And they just put him in the grave, and then he suddenly regained himself and got up and left. No. Can't be proven at all. You can, you can do some research and find out the science that even proves that's not true. He was dead. Like dead. For three days. And here he is, gone. Not there. Out of the tomb. By the way, I mentioned this morning, uh, I was talking about how Jesus was just, later on, he goes and meets the, uh, all of these people in the room praying, and he don't bother to open the door, he just walks in through the door. <laughs> Which is amazing. I think that's amazing. But it made me think about, okay, 
we always think about the stone is rolled away, and that means he's empty, it, that, the, the, that the tomb is empty. No, the stone was rolled away so that the disciples could go in. Not so that Jesus could come out. Isn't that amazing? Because if the stone had to be rolled away so Jesus could come out, that means someone let him out. Jesus doesn't need anyone to let him do anything. He is Lord. Isn't this, amazing? Isn't this great to talk about, y'all? Because what we're, what we're studying here is the resurrection of our Lord, which defeats death, which really means that the consequences for sin is defeated. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 says that the consequences for sin is death. Which means, if Romans 6 is true, then Romans 3 must be true, where it says that everybody has sinned. Which really means we're all dead people walking without Jesus. We're already dead. We're already gone. We're already doomed. This is the gospel message. This is why it's so urgent. This is why, uh, this is why uh, when we worship God, when we, when we come to church on Sunday morning and have our time of worship together, it should be amazing. doesn't matter if we're playing the music right or not. It should still be amazing. We try. I try. Everybody who sings or leads music tries. But God's not looking for perfection, is he? He's looking for the exclamation point. That's what he's looking for. That's what, he, that's what Jesus died for. Jesus died so that our lives can be one big exclamation point about Jesus, about his resurrection. Because we live. Because he lives, we live. Hello? Because he lives, we live. For eternity. They saw and they believed. But they, didn't, they only believed what they saw, but they were, what their problem was, they were looking at for the wrong thing. It even says they didn't understand the scripture. It's easy. It's easy to sit two plus thousand, two thousand years plus away from this and say, them knuckleheads, they should have known better. They should have known. Jesus told them a bunch of times, right? Jesus told them a bunch of times what was going to happen. They should have known this you realize that it wasn't until Acts chapter 2 that any of them really understood the gospel. It wasn't until the Spirit of God came upon them that they were like, oh, now it all makes sense, y'all. And then because of the exclamation point, they were compelled to go into the public and start saying, hey, y'all need to hear this. Y'all need to know about this. And they couldn't stop talking about it. They could not stop talking about it. You want to talk about excitement. So don't, 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 don't look down on them because they didn't understand the scripture. It wasn't time for them to understand the scripture. That's why he told them, look, at the end of chapter 20, he tells, uh, he tells Mary, he's like, hey, stop clinging to me. I got to go. And be with the Father. You wait for the Spirit, which I promised you. And then I will be with you always. What an amazing, what an amazing thing that God has done for us. How amazing is it that he's made it possible that he can be our Savior, 
pay for the, for the sins of man and come back to life and be victorious over death and be with us always. It's like it never ends, his love. For us. It just, it's like there's no end to it. You ever see uh, pig picking cakes are my favorite kind of cake? Write that down somewhere. Sometimes, I'm just going to confess this, there are times when, I mean, I can't pass up a pig picking cake, but sometimes I'm already full of, with some, like, supper or something, and some person cuts me the biggest piece of cake, and I look at it, and I'm like, I don't know if I can eat all that. You know, I don't deny it. I don't turn it away, but I'm just like, oh, that thing is too big. I, I like it to be that big, but it's too much of a good thing in one sitting. A setting. How do you say it? Sitting? Setting. Whichever way you come from. That's how God's love is, y'all. You look in his word, the spirit of God is living in you because you've believed, you've confessed Christ, you've repented, you've been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have his word right here, you have it all. We have no excuse. It's right here. We have it. And it's more than you can handle. It's more than you can take in. It's always more. So all, all we're doing as believers is we're sitting here, we're looking for Jesus, our resurrected Savior, every time we study the Word. And you just take one more bite of that pie or that cake or that barbecue, whatever it is you love. Even though it's more than we can eat at once. We keep feasting on it because that's what Jesus died for. And his resurrection, his resurrection sealed the deal, y'all. It can never change what God has set up for the, for the people who would accept his love. No one can change it. He won't change it. You can't do nothing about it. The, here's the challenge. You have to accept it the way it's given. We all have to accept it the way it is. Which takes us to first. Corinthians chapter 15 because people like to change God's plan people like to change what the word says people want to change Jesus just a little bit because it's easier to receive it's easier to handle if you change the recipe it's not going to be the same thing And the reality is, in the world that we live in today, and I suspect it's been this way since the beginning of time, man has this, human beings have this terrible, terrible habit of thinking, making ourselves believe that we can just say something's true, and it is true. That's why this person who is leading a bunch of people at this seminary in the ways of studying God is leading people away from God by saying you can have the resurrection without having the resurrection. That's like taking the pig picking out of the cake. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like that's the most important thing. You can't have it. It won't even be a cake without that. There's three consequences we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 of, 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 of changing what God's done or trying to dismiss the resurrection as if it never happened. If we don't have the resurrection, then what? 
then what? This is why this is the most important thing in your life. The most important thing. And, and I don't care what list you have of important things. I'm telling you, the Bible's telling you, it's the most important thing. Verse 13, check this out. Is that where I started? Verse 12. Let's read verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, right? That's what they were preaching. That's what the Spirit of God was leading them to preach, right? So he's saying, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? They were not believing that it was possible that a human being could die physically and then come back to life. They apparently didn't believe what happened to Lazarus. They apparently didn't believe what happened to the other little girl that Jesus brought back to life. That's what, that's what, what the Corinthians were facing. That's what we're facing. That's what the world is trying to say. They're trying to say that Jesus isn't real the way we believe him, the way the Bible teaches about him. They're trying to say that the resurrection didn't happen. Now, we, they're okay with saying you can be a Christian and believe that Jesus was a great man or a good moral teacher or something else, but don't say he came back to life because if, if they have to admit that, then they have to accept all the rest. I pray that they do. Because that's what had to happen to us, isn't it? To be saved. Look, watch this. Consequences for dismissing his resurrection. This is if Jesus, if Jesus would have stayed dead in the grave. That's what he's teaching right here. Verse 13 says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. He's saying that if we don't believe that people can come back from the dead, then Jesus isn't who he is. Jesus is not Lord and Savior. He's not the promised Messiah. Isn't that what the enemies of Jesus were after when they crucified him? Isn't, isn't it amazing? It's amazing to me that even the enemies of God know what's most important. And that's what they try to dismiss. That's the first consequence. Christ isn't raised. If Christ isn't, again, if Jesus didn't come back from the dead, let's all just go home. Even some of you now, or maybe somebody online is sitting there going, man, we got a ham in the oven. Hurry this thing up. Okay, well, if this isn't true, then let's quit now. Right? Second, the second consequence. Look at verse, look at verse 14. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, if that's true, that the resurrection isn't possible, that would mean Jesus didn't raise from the dead. And here's what else. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith is also vain. That, that particular verse gets my attention deeply. Because just like most every other preacher I know, we... We, we, we felt the call to preach. We felt God calling us to, to, to preach the gospel, which means we either left something behind or decided not to go something, do something else with our life. And I've been, uh, since 2007, I believe, full-time doing this. And if this isn't true, 
then since 2007, I've been wasting my time. Since 2002, I've been wasting my time because that's when I got saved. Since whenever you got saved, you've been wasting your time. If this isn't true, it, the preaching is in vain. I'm preaching something that's not true. It also says your faith is in vain. <laughs> it isn't true. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's, Paul's being sarcastic here, right? Paul, Paul's saying, look, if what you say is true, then we're all, there's a lot of problems here. That's what he's telling them. He's like, look, if, 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 if it were true, because the, the Corinthians were being told that there is no possibility of anybody being resurrected from the dead. So he's fighting this. And he's saying, look, if this weren't true, then all of us are in trouble because the preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. That means you're not saved. You can't be saved. There's no way to be saved. That's what that means. Look, verse 15. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses to God. It gets worse. Now, he's, Paul's saying, if what you're saying is true, which is not, if he, it was, then, then that would mean that I'm saying lies about God as a preacher. Because we testify against God and that he raised, that he raised Christ. We're saying that he raised Christ from the dead. And if that's not true, then we're lying against God. If, in fact, the dead are not raised, it says in verse 15. But, look, verse 16 says, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. He's just saying what they've said. So our preaching's in vain. We're false witnesses if all this is true. Everybody say, praise the Lord, that it is true. <laughs> right? Because this, Paul's trying to make a point here. And he, fi he finishes off in verses 16 to 19. He says, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. Here it is, y'all. Do the, do the movie thing. Dun, dun, dun. He says, you are still in your sins if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. And then I suddenly flashed back to chapter 2 of Acts when they heard the gospel for the first time, and it cut them to the heart, and they were like, what do we do about this? We're scared. We didn't realize, but now we know what can we do. Verse 18 says, then, look, then, those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That means everybody who's died before us cannot be with God if Jesus hasn't resurrected from the dead. That's how important the resurrection is. That, that's, hard to, that's hard to hear, isn't it? Because every one of us have somebody who's not here anymore that we know because of their faith are enjoying their rewards already. And if Jesus didn't come back from the dead, if he didn't die and then was resurrected, then none of us have hope and they don't have hope. And they're already perishing. Verse 19, finishing it up, it says, if we have hope in Christ in this life only, here in this world only, we are, we are of all men most to be pitied. I wrote down in my Bible right underneath that verse, fools. Because if we're believing something that's not true, then we're all fools. I don't think we're fools. Matter of fact, I believe we're not fools. With all my heart, I believe it. Because this witness right here, this word of God, with all of its witnesses in it, says otherwise. 
There's way too much evidence that says that Jesus came out of the grave alive in the flesh. Was dead, alive. Is Christ the Savior? Isn't that great? I hope, I hope that when we all walk out of this church building, that we're walking out of here with a big, fat, holy exclamation point. Blasting out of us. Because Jesus lives, y'all. And we have a Savior who has given us everlasting life, at least made it available for those who would receive it. That's another mistake. It's another thing. Just because God loves everybody doesn't mean everybody's going to step into this salvation. Not, not everybody's got this light. Not everybody has done what it's required. Not everybody's heard the message and responded appropriately saying, yes, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to repent. I don't want to be an enemy of God anymore. Why? Why do people do that? Don't you get frustrated with your friends and your neighbors and your family members who aren't saved and you just keep loving them and you keep giving them opportunities, trying to plead with them to understand? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm trying to help you. trying to help you understand the problem is they're not looking for the right thing. They're looking for everything that will say that it's not true. And as long as they're looking for those things, they will find those things. And I know that's true because that's what I was doing before I got saved. And it wasn't until uh, the Lord got my attention, finally, thank the Lord, that I said, you know what, this stuff might be true. The moment I said to myself, what if this is true, God had his big fat holy toe in my door, and he wasn't going to let me slam it shut anymore. And suddenly the light of God started making himself known, and I started seeing the gardener instead of an empty grave. They're looking for an empty grave instead of looking for the Savior. So as long as we're looking for an empty grave or if we're looking for uh, something that says Jesus is not risen from the dead, then we're going to be living in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, making up excuses, trying to prove that it doesn't, it's not real. But here's the fact, and I'll close with the fact. The fact is the resurrection is real. The fact is Jesus did die. The fact is Jesus was resurrected from the dead, claiming victory over death. And the fact is, Jesus lives even today. Praise the Lord. Here's another fact. If you want to hear it. You're only going to hear it if you're looking for facts. The fact is, Jesus loves you enough to die for you. Jesus died on the cross so that you could have victory over your sins and victory over the death that comes with your sins. That's what it means when Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross and follow me. If you're looking for truth in this world, you tell this to your friends and neighbors if you already know it. If you're looking for truth, it's in Jesus. It's in his resurrection. If you're looking for what's real, it's right there. That's where it is.
Not any Jesus you make up in your own mind or in your own heart. Not some Jesus that some group of people say, okay, this fits better into our lifestyle because God loves everybody, so he wouldn't do nothing bad to nobody. That's all lies. Jesus wasn't uh, very particular about people's feelings when he taught in this world. He was, he was very adamant about what was true. And if you study how Jesus taught and what he taught and the things that he said, you'll realize that he laid the truth down and expected the hearer, the people who were looking at him and listening, to decide if they wanted to hear what he was saying. And if they didn't want to hear it, they wouldn't hear it. So that's what I'm trying to do here. If you have heard the truth today and you're not saved, then the scripture teaches us that the, the reaction to the truth is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, repent, meaning stop being a sinner, turn a different way, confess that Jesus is who he is, that, that dead, buried, and resurrected Lord and Savior, and then it says to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And the moment you start asking, well, why do I got to be baptized or why do I got to do this? You're trying to change God's way. You're trying to change what God has put in place. And you haven't heard. So just accept the truth and let it set you free. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song uh, together of invitation. If you have a choice to make tonight, a decision to make to be saved, do it. This morning? Is it not night? No, it's this afternoon. And then uh, we're going to be uh, ready to go home. Let's stand together and sing. He lives. He lives.